What up, this is your boy DJ EFN. You might know me as a drink champ, but first and foremost, I'm a proud father. I linked up with two of my other dad homies, Manny Digital and KGB, to start the Fatherhoods podcast. Each week, we bring you insider hip-hop stories, parenting, and advice and therapy. The saying is true, it takes a village, and we humorously serve as each other's trusted counsel in figuring out how not to screw up being a good dad. Fatherhood podcast. Beats, rhymes, and diapers. All right, all right. So today, um, our friend Manny Digital is out, but someone who's in is our friend Jumbled. He's a upcoming producer from Baltimore, correct? You're based correct. out of Baltimore. Yes. And most importantly, you are a dad. And one that, uh, from what Manny tells us, uh, you actually listen to the podcast. So thank you for that as well. (laughs) So welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So first off, uh, let's get a little bit of your family dynamic because that'll help set the stage here. Sure. Um, I am, uh, my wife and I have been married. We just got, it was our anniversary last week for about 14 years. Congratulations, man. Um, thank you. <laughs> it just it kind of it's it's not a big milestone. It's just like, oh, okay, we'll just we'll celebrate next year when it's a bigger milestone kind of thing. Um, but I have a four-year-old daughter. Um, I teach high school. My wife um, is like a career counselor at a local university. Um, so everything is sort of getting back to normal now with kind of going back to work. I've been um, I teach high school, so this we've been completely back in person this year. Um, and my daughter is in kind of like a pre-K Montessori program. So she's in a smaller program until she goes to a public school next year. So we're kind of bracing ourselves for that and trying to navigate those waters. But um, it's just, since school started, it's just been a whirlwind kind of getting everything back to normal and like um, just can't keep up with everything. (laughs) Um, But things are good. I'm I'm really lucky. And how do you, um, I was checking out your your site uh, a little while ago. I'm curious. So like you, you kind of mentioned it, but how do you find time to sneak in your beats? <laughs> uh, lately, not much. It was nice. We were working from home last school year. I don't like virtual school. Um, so I had a little bit more time where like the day would end a little bit earlier. Um, I've been trying to build in like a Tuesday night, um, unless it's something a little bit more pressing. I just finished like an EP I put out last weekend on my birthday. Um, so just trying to like, you know, find time, like usually on the weeknights or sometimes on the weekends when my daughter was younger, she would sleep in cause most babies generally sleep in so I can get up and do things like six to seven in the morning. And it was nice to kind of have that personal time, but, um, uh, we've moved to a newer house, an older house about two years ago and everything just seems so much louder, the doors and the floors. And so I try to like sneak out in the morning and she's like sits up as soon as I like hit the hall. <laughs> so it seems like she's already up and moving. It's like, okay, well, let's hang out. Let's go watch some cartoons and get some breakfast and stuff. So, um, it, it just kind of depends. Everything is definitely slowed down and it, it's, it becomes more therapeutic for me, I think, just because it's kind of, you know, removed from everything. I do have a little space I'm sitting in there now um, where it's like a sort of a guest room slash I've got like 10 crates of records on the floor that are kind of hard to navigate through. Um, but it's just, I, I'm, I'm grateful that my wife kind of supports me and like gives me the time that has the space. Cause I know a lot of people that they don't have that, you know, support from their spouse. So, so, so as a, Indie producer, I mean, so you're, you know, you've got a family, you've got a career, I'm assuming, you know, you, you, you feel teaching is, is a career. How do you, how do you factor in 
making tracks and you mentioned it's therapeutic. Do you just see that as like, Hey, this is my creative outlet. And if it goes somewhere, it goes somewhere, but regardless, you're just happy making tracks and continuing that creative space. I think so. Um, it's, it's hard to put kind of pressure on yourself. Um, but I've worked with a lot of great people, um, a lot of local people, but then just some people I kind of reached out to, um, and it just, I do it for myself, but then it's also great when other people, you send stuff just like, Hey, the last thing I did was like a doo-wop kind of inspired project. And like things that either fit in that, like didn't necessarily sample doo-wop, but just kind of had that vibe to me. And so I was just like, reached out to the people that I've collaborated with before and a couple I hadn't before. And the reception was really good. Some people just were busy with other schedules or couldn't get to it. Um, so it's, it's a shorter project, but just the reception is good. And people are like, oh, this reminds me of this. And that's why I want to be a part of it. Um, yeah, I've, I feel like I've kind of changed my focus a little bit um, because I feel like as a producer, you want to like my style at least was like leaning more towards soul stuff. And so you kind of get caught up in the like, oh, I want to find some more popular things. And then when I moved and I really whittled down my collection, I was trying to kind of find myself back in Goodwills, trying to find like just more obscure things. So like I don't really necessarily have an issue with kind of sampling or copyrights, at least you know at the moment. Um, but if I'm kind of getting out there a little bit more, I want to be more aware of that just because it's not part of my universe right now. It doesn't mean it won't be in the future. I feel like, like Kay's asking you this cause you know, Kay's a producer. And so I'm wondering, Kay, have, have you been producing anything lately? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's kind of weird. I mean, I, and I alluded, I alluded to this a little bit, um, on our text chat when, cause I've been trying to sneak in some time to watch season two of the Wu-Tang show on, right. on, on Hulu. And so watching it, like it, I was around at that time, but I was, I was down in Atlanta. And so, um, so some, so, but that whole 90s scene and, mm -hmm. and actually um, just trying to come up in that scene, it just, just had me reminiscing about, you know, that feeling of, being in the studio and making tracks. Um, I mean, just on some Wu-Tang stuff, like like they used to come down there quite a bit to Atlanta in the, in the early 90s. And so, you know, I'd be at clubs and I remember battling RZA and Ghostface back early on, back when, he was still wearing, when he was still wearing the, uh, the, the, the stocking cap over his face and stuff like that. And then you just see where like- Wait, wait, you was, you was battling as an MC? Yeah, I used to rhyme too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. Um, but that, but, but so I guess to cut to now, it's just weird how time changes things or you just evolve and get into different things. I mean, back then it was all I could think about was making tracks and being in the studio. And that's, that's was the main goal. And that's what I was pushing for and spent a lot of years just trying to hustle beats and come up with projects and, and just, just in it to win it um and it was always like all right if i stop now do i did what did i waste all the time that i spent previously right. and then i started getting involved in other things that were related like doing a and r work or writing for magazines and just different stuff like that and that's kind of been like my career trajectory it's like they've all been intertwined somehow but maybe not doing the same thing but going back to making tracks it's some years ago, um, 
I don't know what happened. It was just one day I started trying to make a track and I just really couldn't focus. It's almost like I didn't enjoy doing it anymore. And I couldn't like, I just couldn't get a track done. And then it just wouldn't happen anymore. I just didn't feel like I enjoyed it. And maybe it was because I was used to like doing the same kind of production technique over and over again. You get kind of stuck in that, that easy flow of like, all right, this is what I use and this sure. is how I do it. And then uh, I took a little time off and then I was, cause I, you know, just, I enjoyed doing it, but I just couldn't do it. I don't know what, what happened. I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll give it a, a pause and then I'll try to learn something else, um, you know, a different way, a different technique to do it. And, um, and then my son came <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't have yeah. time to like yeah. zero in on that. Although the interesting thing is like he, he has an interest in this stuff. Um, and so we'll sit around and do garage band sometimes. And he's into learning more about DJing and everything. So the, some of the times that he's messing around with it, I find myself getting more into it and, you know, maybe that'll make me do it more again, but it would just be for, for fun. I think is it Stu Bangers? I think his son is like ten or something like that, and he's a pro. Like they have video; he has videos of him online, just like kind of stepping up and just chopping things up and everything. I was like, I don't think that I could do that. Like I'm not using that kind of equipment, but it's just like it's just impressive. Like my daughter will come in. I have like a like a simple like SP three hundred three, like one of the old samplers, and so like everything is kind of preloaded, and so she'll just put on headphones and start kind of like layering stuff and checking it out. And I was just like, all right, now you got to go because I need this is my hour and a half to get something done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th I think it's super dope when when people's kids kind of follow in their footsteps and it must make it a lot easier for, you know, for you to continue in your craft or be able to concentrate on it when your kid's also really into it. Like DJ yeah. Craze, like his daughter is like a phenomenal DJ as well. And, you know, no, she yeah. And so and from young from she was doing it from young. I could only like hope that my kids, you know, would be interested because right now to try to like concentrate on anything creative around the kids is impossible to do. It's like it's not happening. And 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 then when it comes to to my girl, you know, and trying to explain to her the only way that I could be creative is to be in a space for like a pretty long time because it's like you can't just turn on creativity and then and then turn it off. Like you have to like be in a space and kind of like just sit there with and try to like formulate ideas. I mean, I don't, I don't produce, but I'm, I'm assuming it's similar to producing as well. And it takes a while for you to get into that mind space. And with the family, it's impossible. Yeah. I, I spent a lot of that time. Sorry. I mean, to cut you no, off. no, go ahead. Um, because just like being like independent and kind of, you kind of be responsible for everything yourself. Like if you kind of upload things and promotion and I, I get overwhelmed with people's over promotion with things. So I try not to do that. Um, but just like, I'll have almost like a checklist. Like, all right, Tuesday night, I've got two hours. I've got to do these other things. And then if there's time I can start making something new or like, you know, just you're sending emails and like making like, you know, if I have a new EP, like I want to make a little promotional thing with like the tools that I have. So sometimes even that stuff with your limited time, it gets even more limited trying to like check off all the other boxes and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, it Definitely. It's, it's when you're involved in the business side of it, it can, you know, you've got to have enough time to do the business plus the creative stuff. And so sometimes the, the business stuff can, can kill the, 
creative spirit, depending on where you're at with everything. I think I was uploading stuff to DistroKid at work yesterday, a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing this at work, but I just don't have time to do it at <laughs> night. So it's like, I don't know if they're how much they're monitoring. I mean, it's nothing, you know, inappropriate at school, but it's just like, uh, I need to get this done because it was, it was on one site. And I was like, well, I know how to do it. It's, gonna, it's a quick process, but it's just like, oh, I probably shouldn't have been doing this at work. <laughs> It's good. It's good for them. It's good for them to use their use their uh, <laughs> upload <wasn't> speed. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. I think maybe one day uh, in, in the near future, I'll create some kind of space, whether it's in my son's room or some kind of production DJ lab, because I know it'll be something that he'll definitely want to use, um, and that it'd be just something that we can do together. That's cool. Is, is uh, he at an age where he's patient with what he's doing and? you kind of both can enjoy it. Cause like right now, for example, my three-year-old, if I try to, you know, show her something and she might be into it, like she doesn't have the patience mm -hmm. to, to like, you know, really like mess with it and want to listen to, to me trying to teach her how to use it. Yeah. He's getting, he's getting more patient, but that was, that's probably the I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's probably the, like in the past when we've done garage band stuff, he'll have a certain window. Like he might want to just go in and drop the, he'll see the drum loop and just drop it in be like, Oh, I made a, I made a beat. And I'm like, nah, actually <laughs> like let's go to the pad and let's program it. And then you start to lose them there a little bit, you know, or he'll just do a crazy fast random program and think that, oh, all right, this is good. <laughs> like now that we can finesse it. You know what I mean? So okay. I, I think that, he's starting to get more and more patient with understanding like, Oh, if I spend a little more time, I can do these other things. I'm same with like using the Serato, um, just having that, having that, uh, that window of focus to be able to get in. And I mean, as me, as someone who's like, I think that would, it wouldn't irritate me, but I'd be like, Oh man, it's like a head kill. Like, ah, oh, come on, let's, let's dive let's dive in a little bit deeper on it and you know but it's like okay he's at that you know when he was doing that that was probably maybe like two years ago um I'm i've like, tried okay. a couple times to do like a b club at school like i've been at a couple different high schools um and so we've got into ableton we were able to get like educational license which kind of you can put on a bunch of different computers and part you know i have my process which is a relatively simple one and so when kids come in like you were saying they're just like it's drums with almost nothing else or like and it's like i don't i just like i just want you to make whatever you want like i want you to feel comfortable and like we got to a point a couple years ago we were like recording over top of and you know they would like make a track and it's just like we'd be in, like a coat closet like trying to record some vocals or something like that and it's just like i don't want to i'm showing them what i know but i'm also like standing back like, okay you figure this stuff out on your own i mean especially with ableton it's just kind of like endless and you can learn so many different things about it um but it's just i i just like i don't even know how much information to to tell them versus just letting them sort of like mess around with and just be comfortable and enjoy it so yeah i think you gotta let them like tinker with it yeah you gotta let them figure it out i think because then they get that's like their real interest when you start trying to teach them stuff when it's not asked then they get bored it feels yeah. like um shifting gears for a second um let's talk about your daughter um yeah. and so kind of manny pass along this info so your your daughter is adopted correct 
And um, is that adopted from, was your wife, is this your wife's daughter or did, did the two of you adopt her? We adopted her together. Okay. All right. Um, so I don't know how, like it, there's a lot of different angles and a lot of kind of information. I kind of made my notes and then I talked to my wife because like some things are, you know, say in the family and some things yeah. are different perspectives. Um, the, the short version, I guess, is um, my wife and I were, you know, trying to have a kid. Um, and so we knew certain people that had, you know, just we were getting older. And it seems like a lot of people are starting families old. Not that we're that old. <laughs> um, but just, you know, things weren't working out naturally. And we knew many people that had tried some of the other procedures that get very expensive and are not very effective. So we started kind of pursuing adoption. Um kind of committed. And so there's kind of a certain pathway to go. And I don't know how much detail you want me to go in. Um, it's just my perspective, what I wanted to come on and say is like, I've had even people within my family that kind of were turned off at the idea of adoption. Um, and we're, we were very lucky in terms of how things work out and how things are going now, because there are many different like difficulties that could arise in this, like during the journey. Um, but the short version is we had our information out there and we got received a phone call. I think I was at the grocery store, my wife was like, someone just called us. They're having a baby tomorrow. This was obviously four years ago. Um, and so we drove up and met a family um, up near Buffalo, like a little bit south of Buffalo. Um, basically, they were having a baby the next day and it wasn't in the cards for them for various reasons. Um, and it was one of those things we didn't really prepare because we'd been kind of planning to adopt, but we had kind of expected to almost kind of like find someone and kind of, you know, a relationship with them, regardless of where they were. Um, Cause that's kind of what you're opening yourself up to. You know, we wanted to keep things domestic. Um, some people go international, if they, you know, if, if they can, I guess. Um, but we literally got a call. And so we drove up, I think on a Tuesday morning and they postponed the, the birth until the next day. And so we, we literally met these strangers. They had a little girl, um, and so we kind of hung out with them in the hospital for a week. And the hospital was a little bit turned off because the family, the birth family was essentially like, oh, you know, we, we found these people on Google and they came here to take our baby. And they're like, whoa, hold on. Oh, <laughs> it wow. kind of like scared them. But that's essentially we, we were doing like, you know, promotional stuff. And I can get into some of that if you want. But it was like, you know, we had Google ads, we had Instagram ads because you really turn into this like marketing push because you're like, you know, we're good people. We want to have, you know, have, we're a caring family. We want to raise a kid. Um, and so we were in the hospital with them for about a week. And, you know, it's kind of like, I guess, yeah, in upstate New York. And then within certain, there's different rules for different states, but we had to stay, I think, in New York State for about a week or two additionally. Um, so we had to stay in, like lived in a hotel with this newborn baby. So that was an interesting crash course. Wow. Um, and we had friends at home that kind of like, you know, clean things up for us. And like, um, we had some things, but we literally were at Walmart in upstate New York, like, okay, we need like, you know, something for this baby to sleep in and we needed some clothes. Uh, it just really caught us off guard, but I mean, it, it's, it went really, it, yeah, I mean, we're doing really well now. I mean, it's hard to, it just, it's, it's been so natural, but it was so funny. It was just like literally this. Um, you know, my wife stayed home for, I think, you know, a couple months on maternity. And then I took, you know, I think about two or three weeks off just because getting back to school and getting in the paperwork, it kind of takes a little bit longer than it should. I was like, well, I'm just going to take sick leave. Um, so it kind of was nice to have that bonding time. And um, we've got a really good friend support network here. And um, we both have family that's relatively close. Um, but yeah, it just kind of, we sort of fell into it, but there was kind of like this long journey of like kind of different steps to kind of get to that point. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll just leave it at that. 
That's that's, oh. that's incredible, man. Uh, I never heard an adoption story like that. Like is that <laughs> from your experience now, is is that the way it's happening to a lot? Of, like I, I think every single that way? I think every single story is very very different. Um, we honestly we had many people reach out to us um, that were very early on, so we tried to like stay in contact with them um, just because you know it, it could turn into financial support for the family. Like you know, let's say it's a younger girl. Um, and so, you know, that could happen and still even up until when the baby is born, like legally, they can still change their mind. So, and there's been a lot of stories, like my wife got really entrenched in terms of like Facebook groups, in terms of doing research and hearing the positive and the negatives, because it gets into, you know, if these families were supported, then maybe they would need to adopt. And then it's also like, it becomes an issue with like, you know, because there is money involved in terms of just like legal fees and everything. Like, you know, maybe if these families had this money, they wouldn't necessarily need to put their kids up for adoption, but it just, it really kind of depends. Every case is completely different. Right. Um, but we, we were lucky and we still have a relationship with the birth mother. Um, and that's kind of something you have to kind of figure out, like, do you want to continue having you talking to these people or they, maybe they want to close that chapter of their life. It's really hard to tell. Um, but we also didn't want our daughter to, you know, be like 15 and be like, oh, yeah, by the way. So we just kind of want to keep that conversation going. And I was thinking about when I was driving home, how like, you know, when the like cartoons have like Sesame Street will have a situation like, oh, this, you know, one of this grown up is going to go to adopt or I think it was Doc McStuffins or something has they're adopting like a baby brother, I think, in one of the episodes. So it's like we really try to tie that stuff in just to make it part of our universe. Even if she doesn't understand now, it's still like we're not trying to dismiss it or hide anything from her. So are you trying to make her aware of it as much as possible? Like as soon as she it clicks, you or are you like how does like how does that work? And is and, and are you having her communicate? Are you going is there communication with the birth mother? We have a little bit. We've done some like FaceTime. It's not on a very regular basis. Right. Um just for various reasons, but it just, you know, I can't say we don't necessarily talk about it every day, but like when we're made aware of situations and like we do mention it, cause like, you know, we're talking about like baby pictures. I feel like last week and it's just like, oh, you know, well, we met you or we were in the hospital. We were there the day you were born. So it's, it's just interesting to have like kind of both angles and trying to figure out the work. Cause it's like, there's no script for this. It's like, right. we just want to make her aware and be transparent mm. as much as we can. And, and what was that like when, I guess when you, finally leave new york with your daughter was <laughs> was it got to be awkward like when you're leaving the birth family um we, how, did, like, how did that whole go down um i think we i want to say it was like we were up there like tuesday through saturday and i think saturday at noon we like i think it's some of the situation where like we legally have to both walk out together um like hit with the with the child and then like we put her in a car like we had to go get a car seat we didn't have a car seat and it was one of those situations where we always heard that you could take the car seat to a fire department and they would inspect it and they were like no we don't do that anymore that's like an 80s tv shows or something it was right, very, yeah. like, they were like no so um but no we walked out with the family and um i think we were we were probably in more regular com contact with them then um especially like the first year and then things just kind of like settled apart um but we still, you know, we still reach out and talk to the mom a good bit. Um, it, it was just very surreal. Like it, it was it was more interesting because we couldn't leave New York State. So we were like, well, let's go someplace that was a little bit more um, just with more to do. Like we just kind of like went to a different part, I think, closer towards Ithaca. And we stayed up there for we, we weren't really sure when we could come home. So we were in contact like we had an adoption attorney. 
um, that we met when this whole process started, just because she knows all like the hoops and everything. Um, so it's just like, you know, let us know when we know. And so the fam the, the birth family had an attorney to kind of represent them too and make sure everything was kind of, you know, everybody received what they wanted to receive in terms of just, you know, there's just so many forms that we're not aware of and just you don't want to do anything wrong. So thing that this, you know, and this is all just bringing the baby home and it's not legalized until I think it was closer to December. Like we had to go to court in Baltimore to like finalize. And like most of our like family and friends came. So it was kind of a cool. And there was another family there that was uh, a mom had adopted like an older child, but it was like a really good fit. And the judge was like, I usually come to like, you know, children's court for negative things. And it's so nice to come to court with like two very positive stories that are ending well. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's it's been a crazy journey, but it's like it's been great. And like I, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm excited to talk about it, I think. <laughs> And what and so what kind of what what's the bond feel like between you and your daughter and and your wife and and your daughter? I mean, it's it, I I don't know any different. Like that's the thing because I yeah. think because we were there from minute one essentially. Um, we were in the hospital was really funny. It just seemed like very old fashioned in terms of like we were able to hold her the first day. But then I think they just got very suspicious, which seems weird because adoption is not a new thing. It's been around forever. Right. And maybe I just I don't know if there's that specific situation. And like the the birth family trusted us, but the hospital was just very like, okay, well, you know, we're gonna keep an eye on you guys can't be alone with the baby until the end. It's just like, okay. So we're just we weren't trying to like upset anybody and you know, I mean, you can't be mad at them for that. I understand. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. very um, but uh, yeah, it was just that was the, the I always think about because I think the call was like a Monday night, like Monday afternoon. And so we got up at like five o'clock on Tuesday and we were driving through like, you know, upstate Pennsylvania through New York. And it was just like, I, I know that we talked, but at that point, we haven't even like picked out names or anything. Like, I think we had a couple books and a couple outfits. So like we literally in the week that we were driving back and forth, we're like, what are we going to name this kid? Like we hadn't even like thought that far ahead yet. <laughs> This is such a crazy, yeah, it's crazy, man. <laughs> and let me ask you, so for you to, and I think Kay was kind of asking this, but the connection with you and your daughter, like, was it instant or do you feel it took time? I think it took a little bit of time, just mostly because I've never been around that many kids to begin with. Like I have friends that, you know, have, you know, kids that are a couple years older than my daughter now. So I was, you know, I'd see them on the weekends or something, but it's never like we were solely in charge of this kid and, you know, making sure it didn't fall down the steps or whatever, fall out right. of the crib and things. Um, but like having that, you know, the, the two or three weeks I was home with her, like early on, it's just like, oh, like, it's just me and you and kind of learning how she is. And I feel like I spend a lot of just because my wife works a little bit later, like, you know, I pick her up from school, and we have these like fun conversations on the way home. And like, you know, I'm usually the first one up in the morning. So we get up and we do stuff or we'll run to the store. And it's just like, it, it, it's, I don't know, like, cause you get older and I feel like I don't have that many close friends. And so like, she just becomes such an integral part of your universe and right. she's four now. So she's talking, she's funny. She's like, you hear her doing funny voices and different things and playing. So it's the best time when she can like have those conversations on the way home and she says funny things or like tries to like catch you off guard or something like that. And, and for your, I guess on the birth parent side of things, how much, investigating did you do with them in terms of like family history underlying medical conditions think, just any of that kind of stuff 
I think that's one of the things that's like a little bit of a disadvantage and it kind of depends on how much you want to go into it. Um, just because I think normally you would have almost like a courting period where we didn't really have that. Um, I think there is some documentation, but we're also kind of, um, we're not aware of anything major. Like we were talking because we spent so much time with them that week in the hospital. Um, so I, 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 this, I, we don't really know. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I mean i'm sure there's plenty of people yeah, yeah. who adopt that have no idea who you know the, any information on birth parents sure. i just i just wonder because uh you know i just i think about like just for my own makeup and then as i see my son grow um just there's a lot to be said for your 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 dna from your parents and like why you act certain ways like everyone yeah. kind of does their own thing but i can also see like early on earlier in my life, I didn't have a lot of contact with my dad. And then as I was older, uh, you know, we, we built a relationship and then I started to see traits in him that were prevalent in me. And then it was like, uh, Oh shit, this is why I act this way <laughs> or yeah. do certain things because, you know, he does, you know, he's the same way and same with my mom, but I never really thought about it too much until I just started putting those two things together. So I always wonder on the adopt, on the adopted side, um, you know, it's, I, I guess sometimes it's a, you just have no idea, or maybe it's harder to pinpoint where, where persons, folks, personalities might stem from. I think it's just because she's been immersed in our life since she was born that she's maybe picking up some of our good and bad habits at this point. Yeah. Yeah. For right, sure. Right. For sure. <laughs> for sure. I'm just trying to think. Um, I, I would imagine that i mean i guess is there like do you is there any sense of vulnerability being adopted parents is is there any you think that you might feel a little bit more vulnerable in any kind of way um i don't know i think at first i did a little bit just because it was a weird situation um but we kind of took this approach of like this is best for her um and so like that we kind of keep talking about like you know like I, it's really interesting to me to see friends that have more than one kid because right. some people kind of have one kid and due to various situations like they're like this is it we're done and kind of that's kind of how we are just because like we want to be able to give her everything that we can um and there are expenses that come with this so it's just being able to you know if we had to start over again, like it just the time and the effort to put into it, it's just, we don't have it anymore because we have a kid. It's just so exhausting with work and everything that it's just, it's sometimes it's enough for both of us just to take care of one kid. <laughs> um, but I think early on, like to answer your question, like it was just, I think because there is this weird limbo from by the time she came home before it was legalized, that just, you kind of were a little bit nervous about certain things. Um, but communication was there. Um, we were in regular communication. So it was like, if there's any concerns and we were, you know, just kind of sharing updates. And I think we had a Facebook group that was just with the families just so they could get updates and they were aware, you know, how she was like growing and changing and things like that. Um, so it's, it's definitely, if there was there at the beginning, it's definitely not there anymore. And, and were you saying that, I don't know if this is the way I interpreted that you kind of made it, you, you thought of it in a sense that it's more about her and not about yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, just because I had, you know, I'm, it's it's interesting to me. Like I'm a middle child of three boys, and my wife is only child, and so we very, I think, very different tactics 
Um, but just, you know, I want her to, you know, I, I, I just want to give her the best life and do what we can. Um, like, you know, we move, try to move to a better school district and things like that, um, just because we were able to do that. And unfortunately, not everybody is able to do that. Um, but we're just, I, I don't know. That's <laughs> Yeah, trying, trying to do the best you can, yeah. as you should. Like, yeah, like <laughs> natural or adopted, we're all just trying to do the yeah. best that we can. Yeah. Um, as we uh, get close to wrapping up, because I guess we all have to take care of kids at some point. <laughs> so I do want to find out like what kind of um, advice you have for, I think you're the first person on our show who's um, been down this line, uh, I believe. Yeah. Well, um, we might've had someone that adopted their. Yeah. Yeah. Their, through, through, through the, the their spouse. Their, their spouse. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But this is, uh, I think you're the first that it was a yeah. couple adoption. So if there's other folks that are out there who are listening, who are going through this or thinking about it, yeah. Thinking yeah. About what, what kind of advice would you give to people out there? Um, I think it, it, there's just so many options out there. Cause I, I don't know much about in terms of like foster, you know, raising foster kids uh, versus adoption. And there's, there's similarities and there's differences. Um, but I think just kind of explore your options just because I feel like so many people that I've talked to have just been very much like, no, we're going to keep trying until it's our kids, you know, it's my DNA. It's like, but there's still kids that need the support. Yep. Um, so, and there are so many different paths. Like we had one path and it was, you know, we, you know, we, we worked really hard to kind of go the route we did. And some people aren't that lucky. There's some people in our same situation that may have, you know, two or three opportunities fall through. So um, it, it's definitely different for everybody, but um, we are very lucky. We have a beautiful daughter and she's really fun. Um, that it just, just because, you know, just things change and there are obstacles in life to like, not let that, you know, at least consider this as an option. Um, I'm definitely not an expert and my situation is very narrow. And that was kind of what my wife was trying to impart. She's like, I was like doing the research and hearing all these like stories until the point it was kind of making her nervous, but there are so many stories that have turned out great. And the kids have a great life because they're with a loving family or, you know, the situation wasn't going to be good. And the parents, you know, the birth parents were aware that this isn't going to be the best life for these kids. So um, just trying to find the best path for them. Right. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, one more question. Do sure. you have any, any fear of, let's say the, the teenage years, the rebellious years that she uses the adoption status against you guys you know like being <laughs> um i mean i can't say it hasn't crossed my mind but i i don't think so um just because we have that bond and um i don't think she necessarily has that bond with her birth mother she may and uh, we hope to in the future um because she has not met her since she was born but i think at some point we would have that bond i mean there's so many scary movies that have situations well Um, i I don't i don't think i'm thinking as far as her like going trying to go back but but just just like the you know the simple rebellious where she says things that could be hurtful you know sure sure um no i can't it's because it's so far removed at this point i think if i'd been through another kid that was a teenager i work at a high school and i deal with mostly teenage girls and i mean not to that extent but like um it's no, I don't know. I haven't. I'll, I'll deal with that that when that happens. Right, cool. I guess. <laughs> Give me ten years to figure that out. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the sweet years now. Yeah, we've yeah. we kind of gotten through like the terrible twos and threes. I think we're kind of past that now. So hopefully, 
it smooths out a little bit better. Yeah, I think I'm a weirdo. I'm already getting mad at my daughter for what she did at 13, and she's only three. (laughs) (laughs) Getting yourself way prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, we appreciate you joining us. If you uh, got any other last parting words, feel free to shed shed whatever's on your mind, man. But we we appreciate you taking the time to, to wrap with us. I think there's just a lot of information out there. Um, and there are a lot of, I don't support group is the best word, but like there are a Facebook group that kind of people that have been through it one or multiple times that are able to answer a lot of questions because, you know, people every day are just like, well, I'm thinking about this. And so you can join those groups and kind of talk things out. Um, and I think those resources are out there and some people are just don't know where to turn because there are, you know, even if reaching out to an adoption attorney or even like an agency, because that's, there are many different paths to go. Um, but ask questions. I mean, there's like just kind of like little meetings and, you know, gatherings that people want to talk about this. They want to share their story. And so I'm, I'm definitely happy to share my story. Nice. And so, and where can people hear those beats? Uh, most of it's on Bandcamp, jumble.bandcamp.com. Um, I have kind of a playlist going on Spotify with about 100 different tracks, different EPs and collaborations with other people. Um, but jumbled on Spotify and I think it's on iTunes and I'm mostly Spotify myself. Um, yeah, and, and you do have a an instrumental project that was dedicated to your daughter, correct? I do. Yeah, um, it was just a beat tape, um, kind of. And I wanted something to string it together, so I found a lot of um, clips of like stand-ups doing jokes about being fathers and everything like mm-hmm. that. And it was a good way to kind of tie it all together, um, just their different perspectives and everything. So it's just it's like one of those things you kind of want a good theme, and it was the right time, and it's like. Um, the covers her just like playing. I had some 45s and she was like playing with them. I was like, oh, that's a great picture for a cover. <laughs> so no, I like so. that pretty good. That was what's like a the, couple years ago. What's the name of that project? Uh, it's called Padre. 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 Nice. So, <laughs> all right. We're going to check that out. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Thank you. All right, man. Well, look, anytime you want to come back on and uh, give us some updates on, on how your journey's going, we're here. Sounds great. Hey, Thanks man. so much. Appreciate your time, man. All right, man. Appreciate it. Bye. All right. Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be a father to your child. Be a father to your child.